you beyond the borderline this is a podcast dedicated to exploring in a realistic and hopeful way what it's like to live with borderline personality disorder and other mental health problems. My name is Aline and I am your host for this podcast. I want to issue a proviso at the beginning of the podcast which is that this is absolutely not a substitute for professional mental health and or medical intervention. So please seek out those sources of support if you need them. And I also want to mention that I will be discussing topics such as self-harm and suicidal ideation and addiction that may be triggering for a number of people. I aim not to discuss those topics in a detailed way as I don't really think that adds anything to the discussion and does not really fit in with the mission of this podcast. However, in a spirit of being authentic about my life with borderline personality disorder, those topics will be mentioned in this and subsequent episodes. And I will do my best to issue trigger warnings before I start discussions about those or other potentially triggering topics. Hello everyone and welcome to a new episode of Beyond the Borderline. In this episode I will be sharing my experience of being obsessed with someone who may currently be unavailable and how I've been dealing with it so that it doesn't completely take over my life as previous obsessions with unavailable or potentially unavailable people have done in the past. As a catch-up I met someone at one of my workplaces a few months ago and we had some friendly exchanges. I thought they were being very flirtatious and yet they alluded to being in a relationship. I wasn't clear as to whether or not they were in one and I didn't have the confidence to ask them point blank. The flirtation continued until I sent them my phone number. In retrospect, I probably came across as a bit desperate and a bit pushy. That's my sense of how uh, things went down. The next time I saw them, they were with a woman, which sent me into extreme shame and anger. I managed to hold it together and I chatted to the woman. I even jokingly said, cute guy, about the guy and she laughed. I started to split the guy and get really emotionally hot. And on the advice of several people, I messaged him later and said I was confused by our exchanges and would prefer to stop communicating at work while remaining cordial. I then blocked him on social media. Since then, I have unblocked him and I sort of politely nod then look away at work. To be honest, though, I'm still really struggling with feelings of attraction and obsession in the sense that I'm thinking about this person a lot. What I'm hanging on to is that despite the intensity of my emotions, I have managed to keep my self-respect intact by avoiding messaging or engaging with the guy other than a polite hello at work. Now, that might change, and if it does, I will try not to beat myself up about it. For the most part, what I'm trying to do is hang on to my self-respect, also to avoid interacting if I think it's going to send me into a really bad state of dysregulation, emotional dysregulation. I've tried not to be passive aggressive with silent treatment or rudely ignoring him, which has been harder All in all, I'm managing the situation better than I would have previously, 
and I am struggling with it too. If you're struggling with an obsession about someone who for whatever reason may not be available or where there are some mixed messages or or any interaction that's really sending you into that emotional state of push-pull, I want to validate how painful and time-consuming such an obsession can be for you, especially if you have BPD or any other mental health issue or trauma history. I want to be able to list immediate solutions to the pain of obsession, yet I don't think I can, because in my experience, obsessions often evoke very strong emotions and yearning which are hard to budge. That said, I am going to list 10 things I've learned through dealing with this current attraction slash obsession in my own life, in the hopes that they offer you some comfort and some useful suggestions if you're going through anything similar. So number one, dealing with obsessive feelings and thoughts and not acting on them is way less painful than dealing with obsessive feelings and thoughts and acting on them. Although it may not seem to be the case, you can survive obsessive thoughts, you can distract, you can reach out to someone who will understand, you can do something to at least temporarily take your mind off any extremely intense urges you have to contact the person. Not that contacting the person is wrong in and of itself, but if you're feeling like you have this strong impulse to say something nasty or to provoke them or to do something that will diminish your self-respect, then holding off on that can be a really good idea and it stops you from having to deal with the shame of having an interaction that you are not happy with in addition to the obsession. Number two, telling someone who you trust to reflect back to you in a sane manner will make the obsession easier to navigate. Now, for me, the people that I've shared with about this situation are my therapist. I have a network of online peers in a peer-led DBT group for people with BPD and other mental health conditions. I've been part of that group for a good three to four years and I trust the feedback I get from people in that group. That doesn't mean that I'm going to follow it to the letter or agree with every single thing they say. However, I can be fairly sure objectively based on experience that if I share something in that group and ask for feedback that I'm going to get a fairly sane response. The third person that I've been sharing about this with is a 12-step mentor who has helped me a lot with it and he is not always as available as I would want him to be and that's just the way it is. He's also given me a lot of support so he is someone who also has really reflected back to me about the situation in a sane way when I didn't trust myself to know what was the wise-minded thing to do. Number three, trying to figure out the other person's intentions is a waste of time. I don't know about you, but one of the things that happens to me when I get obsessed with someone is I can start getting sucked into this wormhole of trying to figure out what do they think of me and they're thinking this and they're thinking that and if I do this then they'll do that and honestly that is such a waste of time. It takes me out of myself and it takes me into focusing on someone else for my sense of safety or my sense of balance and that is never something that's going to work. So I know it's really hard not to do that. What has worked for me has to keep bringing 
the when I have those thoughts going off on that runaway train is to keep bringing it back into the station, bringing them back into the station and kind of going, what's happening for me? What do I want? What would be right for me in this situation? By consistently keeping doing that, it does get slightly easier not to drift off into just losing myself in another person. Five, challenging black and white thinking like there will never be anyone else for me is a good call. Now, this is something that I am prone to. For example, with this current situation, I found myself thinking, oh, well, if if I can't go out with this person, then there's no one else for me. Now, I understand why I have that thought because it's an old habitual thought process, but at the same time, it doesn't really make much sense because I don't really know this person. There can be an attraction. There can be a sense of wanting to know someone. I, I don't believe in, you know, you get to know someone a little bit and then you know 100% that there's no one else for you out there. That's very black and white thinking. For me, that's about going into that very black and white BPD thinking. What's helped me with this is to keep challenging that and going, is there really no one else for me? I'm, I'm sure there are people out there for me. I've had this thought in the past about people where I thought they were the only ones and they absolutely weren't. So it's helpful to start becoming aware of when you find yourself going into the black and white thinking. And if you struggle with that, one thing that I found helpful is to practice short mindfulness meditation consistently. It's helped me to start getting in touch with what am I thinking? What am I feeling? What's going on in my body? And it gets easier then to start identifying those judgments. Number six, remember how time eased the pain of obsessions you have had in the past. That can be a good coping strategy. One of the things I've been doing is thinking back to some really unhealthy situations looking back on them, I was doing the best I could. And I learned from them at the end of the day. However, they were also very unhealthy in many ways. When I was in those relationships or in those interpersonal situations, I thought the pain of rejection when these people moved on or rejected me or did something to betray my trust, I thought I was never going to get over that. And the fact is that I did get over it. It was painful and I had to do quite a lot of work to move forward. It didn't just happen on its own. At the same time, I had the, the intense pain has diminished great. That's another thing. Just keep in mind what's happened in the past and how you've moved through situations and relationships that perhaps at the time were really unbearable in terms of the emotions they brought up in you. Think about how they may have faded slightly over time. Seven, considering what you want your obsession to validate and coming up with ways to validate that for yourself will give you agency. Right, now this one for me in the current situation, I started realising after talking about it with people and reflecting on it was that I like the feeling of someone potentially being attracted to me. And I realised that I wanted this person to give me that sense of being attractive or sexually desirable. And I realised that, of course, that's a wonderful thing to have from another person. But I can claim that for myself. I can affirm myself as someone who's attractive and desirable by the way I dress, by looking after myself, by affirming my sexuality as a human being in safe and affirming ways that don't diminish my self-respect. I can validate myself. So one thing you might want to do if you're obsessed with someone or if you're really, really drawn to someone is to think about what it is that you're wanting them to validate for you, because the odds are that you can give that to yourself. 
Eight, experimenting with acting as if the obsession is not dominating your thoughts is a fun experiment. This has really been helping me. So what I have been doing is going, you know what, I'm just going to go about my life as if I didn't have this obsession. Even if it's there in the background, I was at work yesterday and I constantly had the thoughts of this person drifting in and out of my head. I just thought, you know what, I'm here and I'm doing this work and I'm just going to act as if this obsession isn't happening, even if it is. I'm not saying that you deny reality or you pretend that you're not obsessed, but as a strategy, as an what DBT would call an opposite action strategy, rather than, for example, say, oh my God, I'm so overwhelmed by this obsession, I can't go to work, I can't eat, I can, can't sleep, you do the opposite. You say, yeah, I'm going out and I'm going about my business. If you build that muscle, it gets easier to manage both things at the same time. Yes, you're having obsessive thoughts about someone. Yes, you're also able to manage in your daily life. Nine, judging yourself for having the obsession does not work. Believe me, I've tried this. It really does not work. Shaming myself, judging myself, beating myself up. Now, I'm not saying that the alternative to that is to go, oh, well, I'm obsessed and I'm just going to let loose and, and act in ways that don't serve me because I can't help it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that judging yourself for having obsessive thoughts or even just for being attracted to someone or having a crush on someone is not going to help. It's a human condition that we have crushes on people, we we have attractions. I think for those of us with BPD, and I should speak here solely from my own experience, for myself as someone with BPD, that can get really extreme. I can abandon my life in chasing an obsession or it can become completely dominant in my thoughts and that's where it becomes a problem where I'm acting in ways that don't meet my self-respect and I'm harming myself. I'm not saying that you accept all that and you let that happen or you you don't consider that maybe you need to change how you're operating. But I am saying that if you have an obsession, to some degree, it's a human condition. It might be a bit more extreme if you're working with BPD, but it's not the end of the world. Now, I don't mean to negate the severe distress that these obsessions can cause for those of us with BPD. Myself, I have been drawn to people who are unavailable for various reasons. Either they're in active addiction or they have narcissistic tendencies or both, or they're involved with someone else or they're simply not emotionally available. Perhaps they want a flirtation but nothing more. Perhaps they're not really interested in me in a sexual or romantic way. I have been driven to the point of self-harm and suicidal thoughts by getting sucked into these obsessions and I promise you I know how painful they are. I'm not saying, oh, just get over it because I know it doesn't work that way. What I'm saying is that at the moment, what I am trying to do, which is different to what I've done before, is to find a middle path through my current obsession. Finding the middle ground between getting completely lost in the obsession and losing my sense of reality and shaming myself as a way of controlling the obsession. How does that look in practice? The way it looks at the moment is that I am admitting to myself that I'm struggling with this obsession. I'm not trying to pretend that I'm over it or that 
it's a necessarily healthy thought pattern. I'm radically accepting that I'm struggling with this obsession. I'm also validating what I can validate about it, which is that it's human to be attracted to people and it's human to want to be desired by someone you're attracted to. I'm also validating my significant vulnerabilities at the moment, which are two recent bereavements of close family, a move, and ongoing financial uncertainty. All of these are major stressors and it makes sense that I'd be looking for ways to escape the challenges that come with all of these situations and my feelings related to them. I also keep using and when I use mindfulness to observe and describe what's going on for me with this this obsession, as in I'm feeling obsessed by this guy and I'm getting up and I'm going to my voluntary work today. I'm feeling obsessed and I'm finding it really painful and I'm calling up such and such to pay a bill today. I make lists of things I need to do because that helps me to stay focused. I am radically accepting my urges to do things like call psychics and contact the person in question. And I am trying to exercise self-compassion if and when I act out in these areas. However, that does not mean that I just go, oh, it's totally fine. I'll just do that. No problem. That's not what I mean by self-compassion. What I mean is that I do my best to accept that it's happened and also to bear in mind that I do need to do better. 10. Distraction is an effective short-term strategy. I've alluded to this in some of the other points that I've raised. Distraction, distraction, distraction. It's not going to solve the issue long-term. As an example, I personally find myself very drawn in a slightly obsessive way to men who trigger me slightly. And those triggers have to do with childhood issues, issues from my past that really, I think, need to be worked through in therapy at my own personal pace and explored and and worked on. Distraction's not going to deal with that. But what distraction will do is if you're lying in bed at 11 at night and you're thinking, oh my God, I'm going to send this person a text and tell them that I love them or say something else. Not that that's the end of the world, but let's say you're, you're, you're lying in bed and you're thinking, I'm going to do this and you don't want to do it. Distracting yourself can really help with that. And one big tip that I was given that I'm going to pass on is that as with all the other coping strategies and tools, distraction is something that it's worth using in less emotionally charged situations. So rather than wait until you're in this really emotionally charged situation where you're obsessing about whether to text someone or not or message someone or not on social media, do distraction when you're a little bit emotionally wound up, but not as much. For example, if you're irritated about something, uh, you're waiting in a queue for something and you're getting irritated, distract yourself. I mean, these days, most pe- most of us have phones. I'm not saying that's always the healthiest way to exercise distraction. I mean, I certainly do it. But another way is to look around you and start counting the number of times you see the colour red or listening for what you can hear. What can you hear 
in the environment around you. Distracting yourself in that way, which is also a form of mindfulness and getting into the practice of doing that can be your friend when it comes to dealing with more emotionally charged situation like obsessions. I'm going to leave it there for today. I really hope that this has been of help to you. I know this is an issue that many of us with BPD struggle with and I'd love to hear your thoughts and your feedback. As always, you can tweet me at Beyond the Border 3 on Twitter and that's Beyond the B-O-R-D-E-3, or just look for Beyond the Borderline on Twitter. You can also leave a voicemail on Anchor, which is the platform from which I podcast. I will play those voicemails unless you tell me you don't want them to be played, but that's another great way to get in contact with the podcast if you want. If you have suggestions for future episodes, then please feel free to get in touch because it's always really helpful to hear your suggestions about episode topics. I wish you a peaceful 24 hours ahead and at the very least a few peaceful moments in your day. Speak to you next time.